0: Hello, and welcome to Colored Red, a podcast all about Colorado true crime. I am your host, Laura, and I have a historical murder for you today using a book that I use a lot, uh, Murder in the Mile High City by Linda Womack and Linda Jones. And I also used the court documents for Hamill versus the people of the state of Colorado. This one isn't too old in terms of historical murders. I usually go back into like the 1800s and stuff, but we're going to go back to the summer of 1958. During the summer, something was in town that used to roll through every year and now is less of a common attraction, a circus. On a summer day, August 27th of 1958 to be exact, 11-year-old Lester Gordon Brown Jr. was on his way to the Denver Coliseum to see the circus that was in town. He wandered the grounds alone and he watched the animals perform and was enamored with every single aspect of the animals and the circus and everyone that worked there. He was particularly interested in the elephants and his enthusiasm caught the eye of Walter J. Hamill, a 27-year-old circus animal trainer. Hamill told the young Lester to return after the circus was closed and told him that he would offer him a ride on an elephant for free. Lester did return to the circus at the designated time and he brought a friend with him and both of the boys were really excited to see the circus animals up close and Hamill greeted the boys and he directed Lester's friend to another area with other employees um, where he could pet some of the animals and he asked Lester if he would go for a walk with him. So Lester followed Walter Hamill some distance from the Coliseum into an area that had fields which it did back then. Once at this distance, Hamel began sexually assaulting Lester and attempting to remove his clothes and touch him, and you know the, the gist here, and Lester began screaming out and told Hamel that he just wanted to go home, but Hamel persisted, and eventually Lester began screaming so much and so loudly that Hamel didn't want attention being drawn to them, so he started strangling the boy and covering his mouth, and eventually... Lester either passed out or died. It's not quite clear if he was really dead yet. And for whatever reason, Hamill decided that it was time for dinner. So he left the boy there on the ground in the open and went to dinner at a local cafe and just casually ate dinner there. And then he kind of wandered back to the site after dinner and the boy was still there and was obviously dead at this time. I think he was starting to go cold and stiff. And so he buried the boy in a sand pile. And apparently no one else came across the boy, um while he was dead there on the ground. So that evening, Lester Sr. and Edna Brown, the boy's parents, who lived only a couple of blocks from this coliseum, were getting worried about their son. Uh, Different times, I guess, they would just let their kids run off and do stuff on their own. We see this in movies all the time, but that's what was going on in 1958. And by nightfall, they decided to call the police. Articles kind of gloss over this next bit and say that good police work and poor judgment on the part of Hamill leads them to arrest uh, Walter Hamill. And I would assume the police went right for the circus, obviously, where Lester was supposed to be and where I would go first. And in my mind, I'm imagining Walter Hamill as this this exceptionally creepy dude. Nothing against carnies, but I feel like this is something he might have been used to doing. So I assume he might have stood out to the police or said something incriminating or whatever. And we'll figure out here in a minute why he might have not really had that much of a filter on the things he said. So in Confessions, Hamill freely admitted to killing Lester, and he did sign a confession and stated that he himself uh, would probably have to die for what he did to Lester. And then he led police to where he buried the body in the sand pile. They discovered that Hamill had a bit of a rap sheet uh, with crimes going all the way back to when he was nine years old. He was a bit of a juvenile delinquent, didn't have much of an education, and joined up with this carny scene pretty early on in his life. He ended up pleading not guilty by reason of insanity. And in Colorado at the time, not sure if this is still true, two trials would be held for such a plea. Uh, One to determine the sanity of the defendant and one for the crime itself. And two doctors for the prosecution testified that Hamill was sane, but he was far below average intelligence. And in the court documents, they did use the term mentally retarded, as that was the official term at that time to describe that. So in case you ever read anything more about this or wonder why they use those words. um, Defense experts said that Hamill was indeed a very unstable person and having a below normal intelligence. And what they described as a borderline intelligence and... I'm not sure why they decided to go the route of trying to downplay his uh, mental deficiencies because they instead tried to say that he wasn't in fact, uh, or that he was in fact insane. And so I don't really understand why they didn't just play up the mental deficiencies instead of this insanity thing, but... Um, They said he was just above the middle defective range, and they tried to kind of say that he was smart, but moreover, they said he was suffering from a form of character disorder called sociopathic personality disorder, and they tried to really play that up and get the insanity plea um, for that reason, and the criminal trial went forward, and evidence was produced including clothing from Lester and some fairly gruesome photos of the boy's body. The defense ended up trying a number of ways to indicate that Hamill was not mentally aware of his actions, but in my mind, the thought process of killing the boy to stop him from screaming, which he admitted to in his confession, um, because he feared that he would be caught is enough of an indication that he knew what he was doing and he knew that it was wrong. And oddly enough, I didn't really see that point brought up in the trial. The defense also tried to say that there was no time between Hamill assaulting the boy and him dying, and I don't get what they're trying to say there, but maybe that Hamill did indeed sexually assault Lester, then went to dinner at the cafe, during which time another person came out of somewhere and killed Lester. I have no idea what they're trying to say with that, but they tried to claim that there was just no time for Hamill to deliberate on his actions, but... The judge then basically said that a spur-of-the-moment killing doesn't really need time to think about. Um, Hamill was indeed found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. And now that I'm saying this out loud, I'm realizing that they're trying to get the first degree probably brought down to a second degree or something like that. Because in many states, first-degree murder has to have an element of premeditation involved. But what have you, um, his lawyers appealed and it was denied and they took it to the Colorado Supreme Court, And there they managed to get another trial, but in a way that left out the crime itself, they wanted the trial to just focus on the competency and insanity issue of Walter Hamill. Um, the court's ruling, uh, was on the admissibility of various photographs and stuff that they alleged were prejudiced, um, to the defendant and lacking in probative value and deprived the defendant of a fair trial. And I don't know, get that point, because the photographic evidence of his crime was prejudiced against him. Sure. Um, They also um, mentioned the refusal of the court to allow the defendant to cross-examine one of the uh, prosecution's medical professionals. And they again brought up this issue of the premeditation, um, trying to argue that this was in fact a spur of the moment killing and that it might not be a first degree murder. But apparently they just, the judge just didn't really like that whole defense or idea. And the defense lawyers attempted to suggest that there was not sufficient time for them to cross-examine the prosecution's uh, various psychology witnesses. And they claimed that Hamill's signed confession was provided to the prosecution lawyers so that they could pre-formulate An opinion on the matter. And apparently this wasn't made aware to the defense lawyers nor their psychological experts um, of this confession that existed. So, but this trial failed to declare Hamill insane or mentally incompetent. And a petition was then submitted, um, and that failed as well. So honestly, if only Joe Arity's lawyers had been this persistent, they might have gotten an actually innocent man out of the gas chamber. But I've never seen such persistence um, to formally determine the mental capacity of a child rapist and murderer before, but it happened. And it all failed, though. And on May 25th, 1962, Walter J. Hamill was sent to the gas chamber at Canyon City Pen, um, and he died at the age of 31 for his crime. And that's the entire story. I don't really have any photos of this case. I don't have any photos of this case, but I'm going to try to post some stuff, um, some photos of the Coliseum around that time. And maybe some of this circus that won't be from Denver, but I'll see. I'll try to see if I can find them. and those will be up on the Instagram at colored red podcast. And if you like my show, uh, please go to patreon.com backslash colored red podcast. and if you donate just one dollar per month, uh, you will get a card and a sticker from me in the mail and my eternal thanks. So um, until next time everybody.